Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. to this episode of That's What She Said, you get to meet someone that I've admired for lots of years today. So I'm very excited about that. And there are just two things before we begin. First, we're down to four KK on tap spots and I have two verbal commitments and one person heavily sniffing around. So um, I'm not actually good at alert and saying that we're almost out of spots, but we're legit almost out of spots. And so I just want you to be aware that if you want to work with me for a year, and that includes quarterly one-on-one calls, quarterly group calls, access to uh, my archives and access to any workshops that I make that are under a grand. Um, and yes, I am working on one. Now's the time. Uh, email me, talk to me, go to kristenkelp.com slash tap, or otherwise make yourself known to me, please. The second thing is that uh, later this October, there's going to be Breathwork for Overwhelm. And that's a live class that's $22, which is significantly less than KK on tap, obviously. Um, That's a single one-off Breathwork, and that's to help you move through. um, It's to give you a tool to help you move through those feelings when you feel so overwhelmed, like you can't breathe, you can't function, you know your to-do list is just getting longer, and you somehow can't get started. Or when the political environment is just so breathtakingly, spectacularly bad that you can't seem to even literally breathe. I mean, it feels like your lungs have just gone underwater. Pick up the breathwork for overwhelm and use it as a tool to help you move through that whenever you like. If you can't come live, there's a recording and you can find information about that at breathehealrepeat.com or kristenkalp.com and click on breathwork. As always, if you love something about this, let me know. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have concerns, great. Otherwise, please give Alexandra Franzen some love. You might only be able to do that via email because she doesn't social media. But go and do it and buy her book. I love the shit out of her like I do. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. And I will see you next week.
beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could Hello and welcome to That's What She Said. We have Alexandra Franzen with us. And um, if you don't know her, she is a writer, teacher, an inspiring human who loved Mr. Rogers long before the documentary came out about him this year. I feel like you should get props for being like, you guys, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I was an early adopter. <laughs> you were. You were so far ahead of the curve. I'm like, oh my God, he really is the best. And everyone sort of realized it this year. <laughs> I think so. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. I hope it's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. So um, Alexander doesn't normally do interviews. And so this is a very special one um, because she has, uh, so this is the end. A love story comes out. Uh, when you're hearing this, you need to go directly to the Amazons or your local independent bookstore and purchase it immediately. So oh, thank um, you. yeah, it's a, it's a novel that I wrote. And the whole premise of the novel is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you had just 24 hours to live, what would you want to do with your time? And so it's a book that I hope will leave people wondering about that question and, and maybe even making some different choices today based on their answer to that question. Yes, it's beautiful. And then I read it I'm going to be honest, I read it when it first came out, and my memory for books is nearly zero, so <laughs> I will reread it when the hardcover comes out. Um, but it was free, and then it was paid, and now it's going to be a movie, sort of. And can you tell me the story of, like, when did this happen? How old is this book? How long has this lived in you? How did it come into the world? Where is it going? You know, just basics. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's so funny. I, I've written several books, and every book has its own life, you know, and kind of takes on a life of its own and, and takes you to unexpected places. So this particular story, it's it's fiction, it's a novel, like I mentioned. And it the whole story came into my brain in a dream. Like I literally woke up from a dream and I was like sweaty and like I'd been running. It was like this intense emotional dream where in my dream I had died. And I had been brought back to life and the doctors had said to me, okay, you're back. We brought you back, you know, lucky you, but you only have one extra day and then you're going to die permanently. So you get one extra day to do whatever it is that you want to do. You can see your family, you can go to the beach, you can, you know, eat chocolate cake, you can, whatever, like this is your last day. So spend your time wisely. And I remember waking up from that dream and I just felt like all of these emotions of, of panic and anxiety and like times running out, but also like this beautiful kind of bittersweet feeling of, of gratitude. Oh my God, I have one more day. You know, I'm so grateful for this day. And I, I remember wanting to see, you know, my mom and dad and my brother and sister and my, my friends and, Anyway, I woke up from that dream and I was kind of a mess. Like I, I think I started crying. It was it was like the most intense dream I've ever had. And it stuck with me. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So a couple of weeks went by. I, I kept thinking about this dream. I kept having flashes back to it. And then I decided I, I want to write about this. And I didn't really have an agenda at first. Like I, I didn't even think, oh, this has to be a book. It was sort of just like I wanted to just almost journal about it and 
I wasn't sure if it was going to be just some private writing or an article or a book or whatever, but I just started going. And as I started typing away at my neighborhood coffee shop, um, pretty quickly I, I had this concept of like a 24 chapter, 24 hour novel that is following a woman um, on her last day of life. And she knows it's her last day of life. So she's trying to, you know, make the most of it. And she ends up meeting the greatest love of her life on the last day of her life. So it's, it's a death story. It's a love story. <laughs> there's, there, there's some sci-fi involved. Um, so that's how the book originally came to be. But in terms of how it got released, I, I initially decided to release it as only a digital book, no print copies. And I decided to self-publish it. And I decided to give it away for free, I think on my birthday a few years ago, maybe two years ago. And I literally just sent an email to the folks who get my weekly newsletter. And I was kind of like, surprise, I wrote a novel. Here it is. It's free. Bye. And like, <laughs> I tossed it out. And, and really the reason for that, if I'm being totally honest, is that I don't write fiction very often. I'm, I'm much more comfortable writing nonfiction. And I was worried that the book was bad. <laughs> like I worry. <laughs> I thought I I like this. Like I think this is a good story, but you know, I'm not known as a fiction writer. It's kind of a, a different, much less comfortable genre for me. And I think I just felt kind of nervous. And I, I was like, well if it's free, then no one can get mad at me <laughs> if it sucks. <laughs> no, 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 I just kind of released it very quietly. I didn't put it on Amazon. I, you know, I, I was just very, it was kind of like a little like free, free download booklet thingy for the folks on my mailing list. So I started with that. And, and then what was interesting is that little by little by little over the next couple of weeks, I started to get really beautiful emails back from people who had very positive things to say and who, who actually seemed like very moved by the story and people who wrote back to me, you know, people I know, friends, clients, but people I, I didn't know, total strangers saying to me, you know, this book really woke me up or wow, I've been thinking about what would I do for my last 24 hours or you know, your book inspired me to log off Facebook for the day and spend the day with my kids or things like that. And, and, and so I started to get some feedback. And little by little, I started to feel like, you know what, maybe there's, maybe this is good-ish or like maybe <laughs> my, my message is landing in the way that I hoped it would. And and maybe I should believe in myself a little bit more and, you know, kind of try to share this this book in a slightly bigger way. So it was a gradual process. But from there, I and it took a while because I was busy, you know, doing a million other projects. That this actually wasn't really at the top of my mind. But eventually I put together um, kind of a revamped version of the manuscript. I, I had rewrote a few scenes. I kind of polished it up a, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I 
it to a whole bunch of literary agents. Um, I pitched it to a bunch of publishers. I started kind of trying to, I guess you could say, like, take this book seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I waited and, you know, I got some rejection emails and a lot of people didn't respond. And, and, and then, this is actually a really cool part of the story. Then out of the blue, I got an email from a woman in New York City who is a kind of like an indie film director, producer. She's also a screenwriter, actor, you know, movie TV person. Mm -hmm. She emailed me out of the blue and she said, hey, I just read your novel. So this is the end. And I'm wondering, um, and she kind of worded it like, I'm sure it's already been um, you know, snapped up by a, by a TV production company. But if but if nobody has optioned it to adapt it into a TV show, I, I would be really interested in buying the rights. And I got this email, and I thought it was a spam email. Like I thought, <laughs> did you think you were being punked? <laughs> I, I was like, if I click this, am I going to get a virus? Like what? <laughs> it like it was so preposterous to me, and I. But I emailed her back and we ended up talking and we met in person because I was going to New York a few months later and she was real and a real human. <laughs> and she, she decided she wanted to, you know, have us put together an option agreement so that she could adapt the story into a TV show and, and pitch it to networks. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where like, who knows if anything will actually happen because it's, you know, it can take a very long time and be very difficult to sell a TV show and then actually have it made. But, but just the fact that she was interested was, it was like one more coin in my confidence bank that made me feel like, okay, there's something here that, Mm -hmm. you know, I can be proud of. And, and also just the way that the story found its way to her it was it was kind of amazing because I I released it for free like I mentioned as a pdf that I made you know microsoft word file print save as pdf like that was my my book (laughs) yes that's how it came to me and I loved it just that way (laughs) someone downloaded it someone from my newsletter and they really enjoyed it and they passed it along to a friend and their friend enjoyed it and their friend passed the pdf along to their friend who happens to be a producer at the CW TV network and he read it and he liked it and he wanted to maybe adapt it into a TV show, but he also kind of felt like, you know, I, I like the story, but I don't think I'm the right producer to do this. So then he passed the PDF along to Nina in New York and she read it and she's the one who emailed me. So it's kind of an amazing story about how when you, you know, when you complete a creative project, of any kind and you put it out into the world for free, not for free, whatever, it kind of creates this amazing ripple effect and you never know where it might lead and you never know whose hands it might get, you know, land in or whose life it might touch or, or the connections and the doors that will be unlocked for you. And it's kind of magical in that way. That's why I'm, I'm always such a big supporter of just putting your work out there, even if it's in a very small way at first, um, because it's, it's incredible what can happen next and you never know. Um, so anyway, I'll, I've been rambling on for a long time, but to wrap things up after the whole thing happened with Nina and she started adapting the show into a TV pilot, 
then I felt like, okay, like I'm going to try one more time to get a book deal, a traditional book deal for this project and really get it out there. And what I ended up doing is that I emailed my editor at my current publisher, which is a publishing company that only publishes nonfiction books. So they only publish, you know, personal growth and psychology and nonfiction Mm -hmm. books. And I said, I know that you guys only do nonfiction, but you know, you've worked in the publishing industry for 25 years. And I said to my editor, um, you know, if you, if you know anyone who is like a literary agent who represents fiction projects, or, you know, a fiction publisher, or you, or just, if you know anyone that you could maybe introduce me to, to help, um, get this novel published, I would be so grateful. And it was one of those emails where like I typed it and I, I knew I was kind of asking my editor a big favor in a way, you know, to open a door for me, introduce me to someone. And I like waffled over this email for like three hours and I was scared to hit the send button. And finally I just ripped off the bandaid and sent it. Cause you know, we always get so nervous about sending this silliest emails. And, and then she wrote back and she, what she said was not what I expected. And what she said was basically Wow, this is such crazy timing because I just got out of a meeting with everyone here at the at the company and we've decided next year that we're going to start a new fiction collection. We're starting our first fiction line. And so she was like, So send me send me your novel, send me your manuscript. Maybe we'd want to publish it as part of our, you know, debut fiction collection. Oh, and I that's did such a like that's yeah, such a get that, the fuck out of here. Like, come on. <laughs> And that's what ended up happening is is that they they are releasing my novel in hardcover and Kindle and all the things and it, yeah so the way it came about it's so interesting because like when when aspiring authors you know Google how do I get a book deal it's like you make a book proposal you pitch it to a literary agent they decide to represent you then they sell your book for you then you sign a contract boom you're done but the reality of how to get a book deal. I found can be a lot more circuitous and surprising and kind of full of serendipity than, than that linear process. I know it has been for me with, with several books I've worked on. So that is the very long and roundabout version of the story of how this book is being re-released in hardcover. <laughs> it's so beautiful and perfect. Cause we're talking about, it's also like we expect it now. Like if I write a book proposal right now, Within three months, I'm going to give up on it entirely if I send it out and get only rejection. But you're talking like, this is years of like, I did this, and then this, and then this, and then this happened, and then this, and then eventually this. Yeah, and it was years, partly because sometimes the publishing world can be a slow-moving, you know, ice-cold molasses industry, but also because of my own confidence levels and because it took a while for me to kind of be, I guess you could say, like emotionally ready to really put this project out there in a bigger way. And that's okay. You know, I think every artist and every writer and every business owner, it's like we're, we need to go at our own pace. And I think it's okay. And it's beautiful if you've created something and you want to start by releasing it in a very small, tender, intimate, private way. And then maybe you go bigger and bigger from there. But it's like you don't you don't have to throw your book up on Amazon 
tomorrow just because that's what Google says you should do. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that's important to remember. Like you can go at your own pace. Yes. And I also, I love that phrasing that a small, tender, intimate, private way is not the prevailing wisdom. And so I love that you are known as a writer. You've been writing forever and ever. And so anyone, or at least a me from the outside looking in would be like, are you, are you kidding? Like, of course your book is fucking amazing. Like this is, this is so simple woman. <laughs> um, so I love that. Um, I love that it wasn't simple at all, actually. It was this like, oh, God, what if, if they hate it? At least it'll be free. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's common for a lot of creative people. Like maybe there's a particular kind of work or product or art that you are very known for, that you're comfortable with. You know, everyone knows you at a, as a podcast host or everyone knows you as a life coach or everyone knows you as, you know, whatever. But then when you decide to kind of step out of your usual genre, um, I think it can trigger some feelings of, can I do this? You know, yeah. <laughs> so even if you are typically a very confident person, it can it can bring up some some doubt. Um, see, and I think, yeah, that definitely has happened for me at various points throughout my career. I mean, really, anytime I've decided to do something new, that feeling of, whoa, <laughs> comes <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then my other question, I guess, is now that it's coming into the world, like in, in its big old hardcover debut, how are you going to celebrate? Oh, that's such a sweet question. So I, I am actually doing a little gathering for me and a close friend and her boyfriend and one of my best friends in the world. We're all going out for mm -hmm. dinner. And we're just going to have like a fun dinner. I'm probably going to eat a cheeseburger and like drink a margarita. And we're just going to like have a fun night out. Um, I'm also going to do some, I'm going to do a, an event, like a, like a kind of a book launch event. And rather than doing it at a typical bookstore, I've actually decided to do it at a yoga studio because I want it to be not a typical book signing um, where like I'm sitting there at a folding table, you know, awkwardly. Right, yep. <laughs> You've painted the picture. Which yeah, I, we all know. I've done many events like that and, and it can't, you know, those can be fun too, but I wanted to have it feel more like an experience. That's, that's such a cliche term, but I want to have like yoga and music and food and, I, I'm imagining everyone like kind of sitting on their yoga mats in a circle with a notebook and writing down what they would want to do if it was their last 24 hours. And then maybe some people will share their ideas. And I, I want it to be less about, you know, my book and, and more about this question of what is important to you in your life? Um, so I'm going to have a party at a yoga studio probably in December, a little after the book comes out. And then I'm going to have a virtual book launch party as well that people can tune into from around the world. And that will be kind of a similar vibe as the, the yoga studio party. I'll, I'll ask some questions. We'll do some writing and journaling. Um, I'll probably do a very awkward, goofy hip hop break dance. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. Of course, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that, those are some ways I'm going to celebrate. And then I'm sure I will... Um, probably take a day off. What a concept. And like, <laughs> imagine. 
and, you know, get a massage and just like, you know, do something nice for my body and spirit. Cause you know, getting a book out into the world, especially when you do have a book deal, it's a lot of work and there's, there can be a lot of pressure, both self-imposed and not, uh, to market it and promote it and sell it and talk about it. And, um, by the time it actually comes out, I will have completed, I think about 30, interviews about the project and bajillions of newsletters and emails and things like that. So I think I will deserve a little respite. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You will. Um, Is there anything else or do you have a preferred place for people to pick it up? Are you, is it going to be in all of the, all of the places that we can normally think of books? It'll be all the places. I'm I'm hiding a copy in your kitchen as we speak. It's just for you yeah it'll be on amazon it, it already is actually on amazon barnes and noble IndieBound, books a million all the usual book websites and then it'll be in lots and lots of bookstores around the country as well so people can find it just about everywhere and then if by some miracle uh you know netflix or hulu or whatever decides to buy the tv show then you will see it on your tv screen but that might not be for years and years but let us pray. yes well I think that it could be and we don't have to you don't have to give up hope until you're like 70 something because Margaret Atwood sold the rights to The Handmaid's Tale in the 70s what so, well there you go it'll be like a little treat for my it will be years. you'll get such a cash cow for being an executive producer on, a, <laughs> on an award-winning show you'll be fine <laughs> you never give up the hope <laughs> um so book wise everybody please go and pick up so this is the end a love story by alexandra franzen in a fine bookstore near you wherever books are sold um but i wanted to i realized um that this was a bit of an opportunity to be like oh my god i've been following your work and i've been on your newsletter for i think ever officially is the official term for how long um so I wanted, and I was like, what do you actually want to ask her? And I was like, oh, I want to talk about the life-changing things that you talk about. And I found three of them that were like, oh, this changed a whole bunch of things for me. And if any of them are like, I don't want to talk about that, then that's okay. I'm just, I'm, but there are three. So at least one of them will probably be interesting to you. Oh my gosh, I'm so Is excited. that fair? Yes. <laughs> I love talking about things. So the first <laughs> life-changing thing was a friend of mine, Sarah Von Bargan, and you can listen to her episode at some point here, um, you know, you know, on the that's what she said, Sarah Von Bargan, we talked about business and money, said she was going to see you. And I was like, Oh, my God, tell her the bigger, Betty, bigger, better pussy wetter is the greatest relationship advice in the history of the world. And she was like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it was this, there's all sorts of relationship advice in the world. And it's so confusing. And if you are a female, it all comes down to does the person make your life bigger? Does the person make your life better? Does the person make your pussy wetter? If yes to all three, it's a go. If only two, <laughs> you got to work on some things. Like, um, can you talk a little bit more about that specific thing or just relationships in general or anything that's like, yeah, I didn't think that was a big deal. I'm glad you dug it and it's kind of weird. But you know, that was... <laughs> That was so funny. And I have to be honest, I completely forgot that I ever wrote about that subject. And I love just reminding you because you know what? That is good advice. It's and such good advice. I think where that came to me was I had just gone through a breakup with 
um, I guess this was like kind of my mid mid to late twenties. And I had, I had had several relationships, all of which were lovely, like lovely people, kind people, good relationships, nothing wrong with a capital W. Mm -hmm. And yet they all ended for various reasons. And, and they all ended. And there was just kind of that feeling of like, there, there was just something missing, I guess. And when I really started to think about what I really wanted out of a relationship, particularly a long-term, you know, partnership, there was this feeling of like, I want my partner to make my world bigger. Like I want my partner to be, they don't have to be like a skydiver, but I, I want them to have sort of an adventurous spirit. I want them to take me to concerts I of bands I've never heard of. I, I want them to you know, take me to their favorite spot on the beach that I've never seen before. Like I, I want this person to expand my world in some way or another. That's really important to me. Um, I want them to make my life better. I want them to make my life easier in some way or another, not harder. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. I, I want them to, to make my life better. And, and that could mean, you know, that they support me in my creative endeavors. It could mean that they're willing to drop me off at the airport. It could, I mean, it can mean any number of things, but I want my partner to be that kind of presence in my life. And then, duh, I want them to turn me on. I want to find them attractive, like really attractive. I want them to make my pussy wetter. So yeah, when you combine those three factors, or if you're, you know, if you're a penis wielding person, it could be make my dick harder. Um, I think you've got a real recipe for success. <laughs> you do. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I'm glad that you enjoyed that relationship advice, and uh, it's it's a good one. It is. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it's a it's a really good way to enter into conversations with friends about like I don't know, and do you like him or do you like her or what is going on or tell me how, what's it look like from the outside looking in. It's a really good non judgmental way to ask bigger, better pussy wetter. And then they answer the questions and then you're not on the hook for, do you like them or not? You can see the deficiencies really, yeah. really quickly. <laughs> um, the one that I think can be tricky is, do they make your life better or do they make your life easier? Because in the, the span of a relationship, of course, there will be times when, you know, your partner is sick or your partner is stressed or your partner is dealing with a lot and they need a lot of support and they can't, they don't have a lot to give to make your life you know, easier, better. So there will be moments, of course, where, you know, there's some fluctuation, but overall, you know, nine days out of 10, yes, yeah, whatever. The big pattern. Yeah. The big pattern. Do they, do they make your life better in some way or another? Whatever better means to you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Life-changing thing number two was that you just don't fucking do social media and it's beautiful. Um. I quit the Facebooks and it was magnificent. Um, and the question that I always get and the question I'm going to pass on to you uh, to hear your answer is um, how do you structure your business in a way that social media is less important um, than it might be for a traditional, say a brick and mortar or um, selling services in general? Yeah. Okay, so something that I, yes, I, I decided to quit using social media. And I went from using it, you know, pretty ferociously to gradually over the course of about two years, deactivating all of my accounts, my, my Twitter, 
my Facebook, my Instagram, my Vine, I think I had. (laughs) All the things. All the things. Uh, And it was a gradual process because I was afraid of this exact thing that you're talking about. I was afraid that if I'm not active on social media, I will be invisible. People will forget about me. I won't get any clients. I won't sell any books. Um, you know, I'm going to be impoverished and live in a broken cardboard box. <laughs> right. And, you know, I all, all the things. So what is interesting, though, is that social media, even though it is so pervasive in our culture today, this is a very new medium. Like, I remember life before social media. For me, it was called, you know, high school. Yeah. <laughs> and... And there have been businesses and books and art and successful, you know, consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, etc. long before social media. (laughs) And somehow these people managed to find clients and do all kinds of things without the assistance of Facebook ads. So it's I feel like our culture almost has like collective amnesia that we've forgotten it is totally possible to run a business without social media. And in fact, that's how it's been done for centuries right? <laughs> up until very, very recently. So, so then the question is, well, then how, how, how are clients going to find you? How are customers going to find you in all the other ways? <laughs> <laughs> they might, you know, they might hear a positive gushing compliment from a friend over brunch. Oh my God, you've got to check out this new business or, Oh my God, this person's website is amazing. Or, Oh, I love this person's, you know, ebook or, or whatever. They might hear a word of mouth referral. They might find your business card or your postcard. They might see, um, you know, you mentioned on, on someone else's website. I mean, it's like, there's, there's so many ways. And, and mostly it comes down to good old fashioned word of mouth people saying positive things about your work to their friends and then their friends want to hire you or buy your stuff. Um, and look, I, I, I don't call myself a business advisor and I am not. Uh, but I will say that when it comes to my own business, you know, I'm, I'm running the type of business where I don't actually need millions of customers. I need about 10 to 20 clients to hire me each year for various types of writing, editing, consulting projects. And I need about 20 to 30 people to come to my writing retreats that I do in Hawaii. And, you know, it's nice when people buy my books too, of course, but like, that's it. Like I'm, I'm in other words, I'm not trying to get to sell a million copies of my product. I'm trying. I'm trying to get small numbers of people to say yes to working with me. So I don't need to have 10 million followers on Instagram to reach my business goals. If that makes sense. Like I'm dealing with. I much prefer to have very deep personal connections and relationships with the people that I work with, and to rely on word of mouth to bring new people to me. And that's how it's been for the eight or nine years that I've been self-employed. It's primarily word of mouth referrals that brings new clients to me. Um, So all of this is to say, 
my feeling is social media is an amazing world-changing tool and it can be used in so many beautiful ways. And if someone genuinely loves Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and they're like, you know, this is, this is how I'm amplifying my voice. And I, I view this as a creative channel for self-expression and I love using this and it's so fun for me and it brings energy into my day and it brings clients to me and it's great. Like if it's working for you and you love it, then do it. But if it's not working for you or you don't love it or it's becoming a drain, don't do it and you'll be okay. And you can find other ways to get clients and customers coming to you. There are a thousand other ways to do it. And that's my little soapbox spiel about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's really good because it's hard to, it's hard to believe that that's going to be the case based on, um, everything that the world tells you and then suddenly it's okay and you've survived. Um, yeah. Well, an interesting thing to do if you are feeling scared is, you know, if you run a business or if you are a consultant or, or some type of self-employed person, maybe make a list of your, your last 20 clients, let's say, and find out how each of those people found you and why they hired you like investigate or ask them. And I bet, you know, maybe social media played some of a role in how they found you, but maybe not. And maybe several of them hired you nothing to do with Instagram or Facebook. You know, maybe they really resonate with what you share on your podcast, or maybe they love your weekly newsletter that you send out, or maybe they found your book at the library, or maybe a friend was gushing about you at a cocktail party, or, you know, maybe they were just walking down the street one day and they saw a poster at the local gym with your face on it. I mean, find out how they found you and why they hired you. And, and it might be comforting for you to hear that it wasn't just because you post on Facebook, you know what I mean? <laughs> that might give you some some real evidence and some courage to make some changes with how you use social media. Maybe to use it less. Maybe to set more limits. Maybe to stop using certain channels altogether. Um, but I think evidence is the best way to combat that kind of anxiety. Yes, that's that's actually so wise and smart and lovely. Um, and then the final piece of, uh, the life changing thing was at some point, um, I looked it up. It was in 2013. You wrote, um, a, an article called stop making a sales pitch instead, write your customer a love letter. Um, and it starts with, I want to live in a world where, and then you fill in what the world is and how it would look. And that's why you made this thing. And then this is when it happens. And thank you so much. And it's just this really concise beautiful, wonderful sort of Mad Libs uh, type sales pitch. But it um, it brought me back to the whole point of being in business, which is actively sort of shaping the world that we imagine at the end of that sentence. Yeah. Oh, man. I love this. I, I'd forgotten about that piece, too, from so many years ago. And that article, right, you know, don't don't write a sales pitch, write your audience a love letter was born out of, I, I got asked to teach a workshop. I think it was like a, a weekend workshop, maybe two days on copywriting. And because I, I work, uh, I do a lot of copywriting work I have for many years. And most of the people who attended the workshop were, you know, business owners of some type or another. 
and they were wanting to learn some copywriting tips and tricks to, you know, make their website snazzier and to sell their products and services and events and yada yada. And as I got as we, as the class rolled along, you know, it just kind of became clear to me that well, I mean, I am not a typical copywriter in the sense that I could care less about search engine optimization keywords and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I want to help you convey a beautiful idea as simply as possible and inspire people to say yes. And that's it. And we don't have to be sleazy and gimmicky about it. Like you can just do it very simply, almost as if you were writing a love letter to someone or almost as if you are writing like a very simple dinner party invitation to someone is another way to think about it. Like if you were going to email six of your closest friends and invite them to attend a fabulous dinner party at your house, you would probably write a very brief email where you'd say, Hey everyone, I miss you so much. You know, I, I treasure our friendship and I love when we get together and it's been way too long. So I'm doing a, a barbecue at my place. It's happening on Sunday. It's 5 p.m. Show up if you can. I'd love to have you. You don't have to bring anything. Just bring your lovely self. You know, I'm going to make my world famous, you know, black bean burgers. See you there. End of story. And then you would invite them to RSVP. And when you're announcing a product or a service or a program or an event or a whatever, it really, it's that same feeling of, I love you. I, I'm doing this cool thing. Here's what it is. You know, quick description. I'd love to have you be part of it. You know, RSVP now if you can make it. it. It's that same feeling of like a love letter, an invitation. Uh, it doesn't have to be so complicated to offer something to your audience. And and I actually I I like the word love letter even more. I like the word invitation. Because I think that rather than thinking of it as a pitch, you can think of it as an invitation. And that feels a lot less stressful uh, and, and awkward for most people. So maybe try that. The next time you're, you're sending you know, a newsletter to your mailing list to announce a new program, rather than thinking marketing or rather than thinking sales, think to yourself, invitation. I'm just describing something and then inviting people to come or do it or download it or whatever. Um, if they want to, and that makes it feel a lot less weird. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, it stuck with me, and it's helpful because the 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 sales rhetoric is not is not where most of us shine. In like buy now, and supplies are limited, and hurry in. Like it, we just don't do well in there. And so having it reframed as like, oh, it's an invitation. Yeah, I can I can do that. Um, it's really really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know how to invite people to your house for a dinner party. And, it, and so therefore, you know how to invite people to sign up for your workshop or your retreat or your program or your, you know, whatever your book launch party, whatever it may be. It's just, it's a no pressure invitation. And what I found is that not only does this feel better for you as the business owner, creator, but it feels better for your recipient, for your audience, for your potential customer as well, because they receive your message and they're like, oh, this sounds wonderful. And, and I don't feel pressure to sign up, but I, but I want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it 
it's nice. And I, I've actually received so many emails throughout the years from people who say to me, like, I just love the way that you sell things because I never feel like you're pressuring me. And it makes me want mm-hmm. to sign up. <laughs> like, it's a kind of, and I'm not doing that as like a weird reverse psychology, you know, gimmick. It, it's just kind of a natural thing that happens is, is when you kind of take the pressure off and stop using the, the crazy, like, limited time only, right. blah, like sort <laughs> yeah. of, people feel taken care of, people feel respected, people feel like you are a cool human that they want to buy things from. So yeah, you know, take take the foot off the gas pedal a little <laughs> with, the, with the emails and, and see what changes. Um, I think it'll have beautiful results. I think it will too. So I brought up um, I think three of the things that are, you're like, oh, okay. I remember. Um, yeah. Um, but have you ever had a thing that you were like, this is going to be the single greatest thing that anyone has ever read in the history of the internet. And, and then like, (laughs) no one liked it as much as you do. Like, can we just give love to whatever it is that you've written or made that was like, oh, that did not, that did not go. Like I thought it was going to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many things. I mean, I, to be honest, like, I don't think I've ever published something or released something where I was like, there it is, my magnum <laughs> opus. Like, ready. I'm just, I think it's also because I'm, I create so much. Like, I am on any given week, I am doing copywriting, ghostwriting, content writing, editing for, you know, a, a variety of different clients. I'm churning out a ton of work for them. I'm also doing writing for my own newsletter and website and books and other projects. So it's, it's like, I'm constantly creating stuff. So it's all just kind of flying out there. And honestly, once it's out, I, I often, as we've heard in, on this show, forget that I even wrote it. <laughs> it's all happening so quickly and there's so much going on and so many balls in the air. But um, but absolutely, I, I, I for sure had pieces that I put out where I thought, you know, I think this will really resonate with people and they just didn't get it or it was crickets or, or whatever. Um, and one of one that comes to mind in particular was, um, it was really funny. It was a couple of years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I decided I wanted to do an event in Portland, Oregon. And I was kind of feeling a little burnt out about doing um, writing workshops where I was like teaching writing skills for the whole day or the whole weekend. Um, I love doing that. But at this particular point in my life, I had, I'd been on a, like a 14 city tour teaching workshops. And I was just like, I just want to do a different kind of event. I want to do something totally different, something that's maybe not even writing related. So I decided to do this event that I, I think I called sugar and it was going to be and here's here's where I went wrong. I didn't really know what it was going to be. <laughs> it was like something to do with basically my vision was like we're going to eat a lot of delicious dessert and we're going to talk about like erotic and romance novels that we love and we're going to talk about sex and yeah that's it. I get I, it was I mean to me it sounded really fun and but I, I think I was a little foggy about what it was exactly and, and like kind of like what the point of it was. And so I remember announcing it and, and I actually did get a few people sign up miraculously, but there was also a lot of silence and a lot of confusion. And 
And then what was interesting, and this had never happened before, is that a day or two before it was scheduled to happen, almost every single person who signed up Mm -hmm. and paid in advance emailed me and said that they couldn't make it for some reason or another, you know, too busy kids, scheduling issue, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And, and what that, what that said to me was, oh, something about the way I described and positioned this event made it feel like this isn't, this doesn't matter. You know, this isn't going to be valuable or this this is this is a this is an yeah, event you it's can an skip. optional sort of thing <laughs> <Kind> of, <laughs> and so in the at the end I ended up actually because I had all these empty seats I ended up just inviting a bunch of friends and we had like the most fun night ever which was what I wanted but it was interesting how in terms of like you know if I look at it from sort of an entrepreneurial lens there were a lot of things that were sort of confusing and convoluted and and not not done very well with that particular event. Um, but it was all good. And it, and it was also like I hosted it in my home. So I didn't have like a ton of expenses to produce it. So it was it ended up just being fun. It was no big deal. But it was kind of funny. I was like, this is not working. <laughs> that was a no. All right. <laughs> well, again, managed to kind of flip it into something really fun and it ended up being beautiful and we ate so much chocolate and it was awesome so <laughs> it was a win at the end of the day just not in the way I originally yeah so can we talk about I feel like that's a good place to sort of begin and end um is that your personal motto which it sounds like was put to good use for sugar um is that today is not over yet and so can you talk a little bit more about how that came to be and um and you know, just just do some 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 riffing there. Yes, I can riff away. So yeah, my personal motto is this really simple phrase: "Today is not over yet." And I love this phrase because it's true at every single minute of the day. Like whether it's five a.m. or it's eleven forty-five p.m. at night, and you're about to go to sleep, today is not over yet. Like there's still time to do something, however big or small, to end your day feeling positive and strong and accomplished. Um, You know, again, even if it's 10 p.m. at night and you've had a really crummy day up until that point and you've gotten nothing accomplished and you've just been, you know, waffling away watching cat videos on YouTube or whatever, you can turn things around. You can send one email to a potential client to reintroduce yourself and invite them to hire you, for example. You know, you can take some small step to end the day feeling good. And the way that this um, sort of mantra first came into my brain was, it was several years ago, and I wrote about this and I put this article on my website. And this actually is one of the most popular articles I've ever written. Like to this day, people still email me about it, which is amazing. Um, So what happened was I had a really crummy day. I was just having one of those days where I was kind of tired and I felt lethargic and I was having trouble focusing and it was raining and it was just kind of like a schlumpy day where I had a big old to-do list and I didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I was just kind of like frumping along, you know, in my, in my sweatpants and There was this moment in the day, I think it was around like maybe 5 or 6 p.m., you know, the day is practically over, 
where I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to order a pizza and like watch Netflix and just, you know, today, today is just kind of a waste, but whatever, like tomorrow will be better. And I, so I was kind mm-hmm. of just ready to give up. <laughs> like, and literally like as I was reaching for the phone to order the pizza, I heard almost like a voice inside my head that said, today is not over yet. And it, it almost like stopped me in my tracks. Like it felt like someone was speaking to me so clearly. And I heard it again, today is not over yet. And I kind of felt like, okay. And I, 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 it was just, it, it was one of those moments where it really did feel like whether you call it God or spirit or the universe or your intuition or, you know, the ghost of Mr. Rogers or <laughs> whatever, like it felt like a presence was speaking to me clear as glass. And so I got my laptop and instead of, you know, going to dominoes.com <laughs> and ordering a, I, I went to my computer and I looked up the local yoga studio and I looked up their website online and lo and behold, I noticed that they had a yoga class beginning in like 15 minutes. So I really quickly, you know, threw on my yoga clothes. I dashed over. It was only a few blocks away. I got to the class. I ended up having, I got there a few minutes early, which like never happens. I had a lovely chat with the teacher and it was, you know, we connected and I laughed and I had a great class and my body felt so much better afterwards. And, and then after the class, I was walking home and it was like kind of lightly drizzling and it was so refreshing and cool in the air outside. And I spontaneously called my mom and we ended up having this amazing, awesome conversation and we caught up on so many things and we laughed and cried. And then I was like, I just had this moment where I was like, I wonder if the local healing center, you know, woo-woo mystical place that is nearby, I wonder if they could somehow fit me in for a massage. And I called them and they could, (laughs) which was like, and so I went and I got a massage and then they had this like amazing outdoor sort of like clothing optional soaking tub jacuzzi area. And I soaked in the water as the raindrops fell on my face and I looked at the stars and it was I went home and I felt so inspired and I ended up writing an article and then another article. And, and all of this is to say, like, I I had the most, my day went from being kind of the schlumpiest day of my year to being one of the most meaningful and really beautiful days of my year with so many beautiful experiences one after another. And it all happened because I listened to that motto of today is not over yet. And I turned it around and it didn't take much, you know, to, to really turn things around and end the day feeling amazing rather than feeling defeated and discouraged. So I think about that day a lot. And I think about that phrase a lot, especially when I'm having a difficult morning or a difficult afternoon or feeling behind or feeling you know, discouraged or defeated, today is not over yet. There's always a way to turn it around. And it might be simpler than you think. It's just, it's a choice. That's all it is. It's a choice for the most part to turn things around. So that's my today is not over yet. I love it. Is there anything else that um, you want to mention or talk about that I have missed or otherwise not hit upon today? 
Oh man, your questions have been so wonderful. Um, the the other mantra or motto that I really try to live by and remind myself frequently is you're doing a great <laughs> job <laughs> because I, uh, this one was, had a funny origin story as well, where I, I used to work out pretty regularly with my friend, Justin, and we would meet at the gym and we would do a workout. And, and there was one day where I was, I was running super late and I felt so bad. I knew he'd been like waiting there in the gym for like 20, 25 minutes waiting for my butt to get there. And I, I got there and it, it was like just a total disaster. Like I, my elastic hairband broke, which as you know, if you have long hair, yeah, it's, it's like it's the over. worst thing. When you get to the, <laughs> it's over. Like, oh my that is the end. So my, my hairband snapped off my wrist and I, I like, I think I forgot my socks. I mean, it was just one of those like train wreck mornings. And I, I got to the gym and I was all flustered and I was apologizing. Oh my God, I'm so late. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. And Justin just looked at me dead in the eyes and he was like, Hey, Alex, (laughs) we both just started cracking up and it became kind of like this inside joke where if one of us was just struggling with life or work or bills or our workout or our body or whatever, one of us would just say to the other, you're doing a great job to kind of acknowledge like the little victories, you know, like you made it to the gym you brushed your teeth. Like you, you know, you sent that email, (laughs) you, you are trying and you are doing a great job. And don't forget to acknowledge all of the little victories and the little wins and all the effort you're making just to get through the day. (laughs) And, and so that has become a wonderful motto for me as well, especially when I'm being very hard on myself or very self-critical. I just remind myself, you're doing a great job. (laughs) And I say that to my friends and colleagues and clients as well. And, um, and it's a good one to remember, especially if you do have a bit of a perfectionistic, self-critical personality, as I do, you're doing yes. a great job. Yeah, because today is not over yet. Always feels true. And you're doing a great job. It's like, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that one feels true or not. Like it, It's true for everyone else, for sure. Um, but it, it's one of those things that sort yeah. of like, oh, um, so everybody before we we like you know started recording um alexandra was like you it looks like you have like over 170 episodes like you're like have you celebrated your stick to and like well, if, okay first we all know like of course i haven't celebrated my stick to but but thank you for noticing and it makes a big difference to be like you know what you're right i have been doing this for a long ass time like we like there's something to be said for someone just reminding you it's so simple and free and easy and it's one sentence but it, it means the world to people so thank you for yeah thank you for that one absolutely and look like we all i think most people are very hard on themselves much harder than we need to be and we gloss over our accomplishments big and small and we forget to celebrate and sometimes it's really powerful to just look at like you know even if you didn't do anything big today with a capital b like you got out of bed, you brushed your teeth, you made yourself a nutritious breakfast, you got out into the world, which is a scary ass place. You, you know, you interacted with other human beings, you were kind and decent. I mean, you you do so many things just to exist. And it's important to remember that, like, we live in a crazy world. And just even getting out of bed and doing (laughs) anything, (laughs) you know, 
or small to to contribute to the world and to make our world a slightly better place is a big deal. So you're doing a great job. Everyone. Really. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much um, for coming and playing with me and with all of us. You all that are listening want to go to alexandrafranzen.com and buy uh, every single thing that she's ever made. That's the official word on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. And uh, I apologize for all the various noises in the background. Hopefully it still sounded okay. I'm going to hit the... So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you Come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly, or not so quietly, scream-sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.